0: Seattle. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, Tony and Grammy-nominated Broadway star, actor, and musician, Joshua Henry. Joshua has been in nine Broadway shows. He played Aaron Burr in the first tour of Hamilton. He did Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights. And he played the lead role of Billy Bigelow in Carousel. I'm just
1: checking in. Got no expectations. Just want to know how to be.
0: And the song you're hearing right now is Checking In, the new single from his very first album, Grow. Joshua and I talk about the
1: foods he ate growing up. You know, my parents cook this incredible Jamaican cuisine,
0: and we talked about what he eats now as a busy working dad. Because stars are just like us, part of his last meal comes from Trader Joe's.
1: It's hard for me not to eat the whole thing in one time. It's just delicious.
0: Later in the show, we'll check in with the Trader Joe's podcast to find out what this year's top-selling products are, and we're going to dig into Joshua's Jamaican heritage with cookbook author and Jamaican culinary historian Virginia Burke. I've been doing the show for five years. We've looked into the history of many cuisines and foods, but I think that Jamaica might have the most interesting food history that
2: I have personally encountered. It's a lovely melting pot. I mean, I think it's something Jamaicans are very proud of is the fact that these cultures have all integrated together. And it's reflected in the food, of course.
0: It's just another reminder of how much immigration, politics, and especially colonization forever influences a country's cuisine. That is all coming up later in the show. But right now, let's tuck into my conversation with Joshua Henry. Okay, so you've basically been in every Broadway show. Let's just say every Broadway show. And I would love to know more about the nitty gritty, the behind the scenes of working on Broadway. Because recently I was listening to a podcast featuring Amanda Klutz, former Broadway star Amanda Klutz. And she was talking about the crazy amount of hours you put in and what the audition process is like, and that you're basically unemployed when a musical ends and you're just hoping that you'll get another one. Broadway seems so glamorous, but it seems like there's another side to it as well.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it is glamorous and it also is like trench work at the same time. My first Broadway show was In the Heights. So I remember doing that with Lin-Manuel Miranda in 2008. And at one point I was a swing, which means you have to understudy like four roles at the same time. So you have to be able to memorize lots of lines and choreography and and placement and do it near perfect because someone's life could depend on it or safety could depend on it eight times a week. And that's a lot of pressure. So for me, what's important is to be able to like relax outside of the show, not do anything too demanding with my mind and my body, because eight times a week is just massive. We're really like professional athletes, truly. So for me, that means, you know, I have to drink like a gallon of water every day. I have to make sure that I'm going to the gym six days a week. And I also have to do something to just prepare myself spiritually because the business is so fast and furious. And when you get in that theater, if there's 1,500 people in there. There's lots of traffic backstage. It is definitely a grind. I've been fortunate to be in about nine Broadway shows now. I don't get sick of it. I love it. But I found that since I've been away from it, last year especially, my knees are like, oh, thank you, Josh. Like my my, my, my everything is like feeling a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, just rested. But it's a um, it's a beautiful grind. The great part about it is, you know, you you make lifelong connections. Some of the people that were in in the heights with me were some of the groomsmen at my wedding. People that are still really great friends with right now. But it's it's a grind. No no two ways about it.
0: I think you just found the name for your memoir, The Beautiful Grind. Okay. <laughs>
1: The memoir? Okay. That also could be a song title. Maybe I'll I'll do both.
0: When you're in performance mode, when you're performing eight shows a week, like you said, you basically are an athlete, so you're taking care of your body. So what is your diet like during that time? And what do you splurge on?
1: All right. So when I'm doing a show, six days a week, I eat pretty clean. I'm usually a a veggies and meat kind of guy. I love sweet greens. Often you can just get a great combination of, of salads there. But on the day off, I used to call it the cheat day, but now I call it the reward day. That is when I really go in on pretty much for two meals, whatever I want, anything. I could eat a whole pizza. <laughs> this is so bad because you're like you know a lot about food, but like this, the worst is like Domino's for me. Like I'll just have a whole like a medium pizza, thin crust, not too bad. But you know, lots of toppings. Usually, I mean, I'm a big meat guy, so pepperoni, sausage, and and ham. So that'll be like my big meal for the day.
0: I imagine when you have your whole pizza, your wife comes to try to take a slice and you're like, don't touch it. That's fine. I've been
1: dreaming about this for six days. Slap
0: her hand out of the way. (laughs) Joshua grew up in Miami with parents who immigrated from Jamaica.
1: I grew up on Jamaican cuisine. I had never been to a steakhouse before. It was in high school. I was 16. Uh, I had this friend who... They often went out to eat. I didn't. So we went out to the steakhouse. I went with his family and I'm like, whoa, this is super fancy. I sit down and I order my first steak, medium rare. I didn't even know what that was because you know, in Jamaican cuisine, everything is like, well done. You must get it well done. Um, so I sit down and I get this plate of steak and I'm loving it. And in the corner of the plate was this white substance that I thought was coleslaw. I'm tasting the steak, and I and I take a forkful of this white substance that looks like coleslaw or like a potato salad. I'm like, I know what that is. If it's anything like the steak, this is gonna be amazing. I shove that thing in my mouth, and I just just start going for it. Turns out, no one ever told me, and I never grew up with horseradish. It's horseradish, and in two seconds, I go from enjoying. This completely new, incredible experience to my nose, just snotting uncontrollably. My eyes are watering. I, I can barely breathe. I mean, it's a full mouthful of, of horse rats And, you know, of course, my friend there and his family are just dying laughing. <laughs> no food can do this to you. Yes. So that was a really wild experience for going from enjoying to just leaking everywhere.
0: Well, at least they had those nice cloth napkins so that you can blow your nose in that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I needed like five.
0: It is time for a quick break, but when we come back, Joshua Henry reveals his last meal. time for the big question what would your last meal be
1: so i wrote it down because i didn't want this means a lot to me i've actually talked to my friends about this a lot if i had a last meal it would definitely be i I love barbecue extra moist brisket mm, with a lot of barbecue sauce there's lean brisket i like the really moist kind of fatty one my mom's barbecue chicken wings because they just it feels like like home and no one can make it like her. So I need that. I need like five of those flats, not the drummits because it's more fun to eat them.
0: Is the flat the little wing as opposed to the little drum?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The the little drum is like like a leg, a chicken leg, but just a little small one. But the flat is, it's got the two bones.
0: Okay. Yep. 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 Yep.
1: That's a lot more fun to eat for me for whatever reason. I don't know. And, it, and the meat is tender. So it'd be the brisket. It'd be my mom's chicken wings, flats. Um, it would be a big helping of her Jamaican style, hearty filling rice and beans, which I just can't get enough of. I wouldn't even attempt to do that recipe. I would have to have my mom literally videotape it and I probably still <laughs> wouldn't get it right. And <laughs> so, so for dessert, listen, Trader Joe's makes this incredible chantilly cake it's like this thin sheet of vanilla cake with the most delicious light creamy vanilla cheesy frosting when i taste it i just had it like two days ago you can't be doing anything else at the same i mean i'm just shaking my head with the stank face on it's hard for me not to eat like the whole thing at one time it's just delicious oh it's so good and it's really light too but just mm, the flavor is just on point
0: I love this combo because it's your mom's cooking, like a mix of like, you know, being a kid and the things you love growing up. And then like modern life, everybody goes to Trader Joe's.
1: Right. I really got into Trader Joe's over this past year, especially. They have incredible desserts. I I won't lie. Like I've developed a little sweet tooth over this last year, like not being in shows. I'm like, oh, yeah, got to watch it. Got to watch it. But yeah, a little bit of home, a little bit of uh, Southern, you know, with the barbecue and, you know. A little bit of my sweet tooth.
0: For his last meal, Joshua Henry wants extra moist brisket. His mom's barbecue chicken wings, flats, not drumettes, her Jamaican style rice and beans, and for dessert, Trader Joe's Chantilly Cream Vanilla Bean Mini Sheet Cake. Tell me more about this brisket. Is this from a restaurant or is this something that you make at home that somebody else makes at home?
1: is this place in New York called Hill Country Barbecue. Hill Country? Hey. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. And they have an extra moist brisket. It's Texas-style barbecue. But it's really tender, really juicy, and fatty. Oh, I can't. We've ordered Hill Country for Thanksgiving twice over <laughs> the last two years. It's that good. We really, we really like it. And I'll say the barbecue chicken wings that my mom makes, it's, it's shake and bake. is the base recipe.
0: I grew up with shake and bake, too. Remember? Shake and bake. And I helped.
1: And I <laughs> shake it bake like, and I help. yeah I, that was so much fun what a great idea like get the kids involved you can it's just a plastic bag you just shake it up
0: maybe yeah. that's how you got into music it was like maracas for chicken yeah, shaking it around <laughs>
1: that was how I got it I should I should have a, a song called shake and bake oh that's gonna be like an up-tempo like hit that they play in the club shake and bake yes, you yes. Know, it's like, I don't think they're ready for this jelly you know but then um, you have the
0: girls in the background going but I helped and I helped
1: shake it bake it." Take
0: it, take it, take it, now. And I helped, and I
1: helped. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's, I mean, it's already got a a great title. I think so too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You guys, I'm telling you, Shake and Bake is going to be the next big club jam. And I helped, and I helped. It's catchy. Did you ever learn how to cook any of the food that you grew up with? Did your parents teach you?
1: No, they didn't. They really didn't. So whenever my mom comes up, but she came up when the, the twins were just born, I was like, mom, all right, let's go. She cooks these incredible barbecue chicken wings. I'm like, mom, how do you do that? She's told me how to do it. There's like 50 different spices. There's only like three when you ask her, but then you watch her do it. And she puts like thyme and paprika, shake and bake, her own special barbecue sauce. So I've watched and I've attempted to do that dish. But anytime I do it, you know, just like moms, like you, you you can never get it quite like she does it.
0: Yeah, we actually did an episode recently all about how immigrant parents are notorious for not being able to give their children a recipe.
1: Yeah. Well, she explained it to me the other day where she grew up. You always used what was there. Whatever spices were in the pantry, you use that to go shopping for all those things. It's <laughs> it's a whole thing to get that flavor right.
0: So going back to your Trader Joe's cake. Off the top of your head, what are your top five favorite things to get from Trader Joe's?
1: Okay, oh my goodness. The Chantilly cheesecake. There is a, a cheese Danish pinwheel that's seasonal, right? So it's not all the time. <laughs> I love the nachos that they have there. It's almost nachos? like- They do, it's like Doritos. It's like nacho cheese Doritos. Oh, okay. Those are some of my favorite trips. And then the waffles are really good. We always get like four packs at a time because we just – especially right now we have the kids. It's just such an easy breakfast. So that's four. And what the fifth would be – oh, they have this awesome Brussels sprout salad mix where it's all in one bag. So you can just throw it on the stove and it's got like some kind of like olive oil, paprika, aioli and like um walnuts that you mix and it's it's just with brussels sprouts and you brown it on the stove and it's delicious all in one bag super convenient
0: i think this is one of my new favorite questions to ask people what are your top five favorite things from trader joe's for me hands down number one is their peanut butter the creamy salted natural peanut butter. The best peanut butter that I've ever had. It's just peanuts and salt, but it is super roasty toasty. It has this really good roasty flavor. And unlike the other natural peanut butters, once you stir it together, the oil doesn't float back to the top. Trader Joe's peanut butter is so good that I have bought jars of it for my coworkers to convince them to make the switch. So that's my number one Trader Joe's pick. But what does America love? We're gonna check in with Inside Trader Joe's. The Trader Joe's podcast to see which products came out on top in their 12th annual customer choice awards
3: our first category in the 12th annual customer choice awards beverages the envelope please And the winner for favorite beverage, sparkling black tea with peach juice. What a great year this product has had. It's its first year out. and almost instant customer favorite. That's exciting to see. Congratulations. The next category in the 12th annual Customer Choice Awards, snacks. The winner here, not so surprisingly, peanut butter pretzels.
0: The Customer Choice Award for Favorite Desserts and Sweet Product
3: goes to Trader Joe Dark Chocolate Peanut Butter Cups. Of course it does. Of course.
0: Ouch. Tough loss for Joshua's beloved Chantilly Cream Vanilla Bean Mini Sheet Cake. You were robbed, Chantilly Cream Vanilla Bean Mini Sheet Cake.
3: The next category in our annual Customer Choice Awards, entrees. And the winner is Mandarin Orange Chicken. This product received 10 times as many votes as the
0: second highest vote getter in this category. And now, the favorite overall product. Will it be my peanut butter? Will it be the 19-cent bananas? Will it be the giant corn nuts I like to eat on hikes?
3: You know, for years, Mandarin Orange Chicken was the winner of this award. Every year, year after year... It was just everybody's favorite. And last year, a new contender. Everything but the bagel seasoning came in and just took the award. I would like to bring in somebody who can sing us to the winner.
1: Congrats, congrats to Mandarin Orange Chicken.
3: Congratulations again to Mandarin Orange Chicken, winner of favorite overall at the 12th annual Customer Choice Awards.
0: Really? I was so surprised by this best entree and best all around product. I have to say, I am feeling zero FOMO about never having tried Trader Joe's mandarin orange chicken, which means I can't really have an opinion. I haven't tried it, but I am not a fan of that dish in general, even at Chinese restaurants. And I don't buy frozen meals, but I think that this tells you a lot about the way that Americans eat. I'm going to stick with my peanut butter, my mint tea and the sharp New Zealand cheddar. But I want to know what your favorite, favorite things are to get at Trader Joe's. If you are listening to this episode within 24 hours of it dropping, go to my Instagram stories. I'm at bell B-E-L-L-E, and I am doing a poll on my stories right now. I want to know what you love. It is time for a quick break, but I am very excited for this next segment. Virginia Burke will join the show from Jamaica to tell us how jerk chicken came to be, how curry became a regular part of a Jamaican diet, and the origin story of milk chocolate. We'll be right back. As Josh mentioned earlier, he grew up eating Jamaican food.
1: You know, my parents cooked this incredible Jamaican cuisine, oxtail, brown stew chicken, sweet plantains, rice and beans, really spicy, heavy cuisine, jerk chicken. That was what I grew up on. That's just actually what I thought until I left the house. That's how people ate. So when I got to college and and getting into to New York and doing this, what I do professionally, you can't eat no oxtail and fried dumplings and expect to be able to like perform (laughs) for more than 15 minutes without feeling some bubbly. So um, that's something I really, really miss from growing up in Miami. In Miami, where I grew up, there was Jamaican, Puerto Rican, Mexican, Haitian. (laughs)
0: going to do a deep dive into the history of Jamaican food. And I am very pleased to welcome Virginia Burke to the show. I feel so lucky that I snagged her because she is the authority on Jamaican culinary history. Virginia wrote two cookbooks, Eat Caribbean and Walker's Wood Caribbean Kitchen. And she spent over 20 years working with Walkerswood Caribbean Foods. Jamaican cuisine is a result of hundreds of years of colonization. When a country planted its flag in Jamaican soil, they brought their cuisine along with them. Not to mention the foods of the enslaved people that they brought along to run their plantations. But Virginia says the very first people to live in Jamaica were the Tainos.
2: And they actually came from South America and they used canoes and traveled all the way through the islands and made their way as far as jamaica they were here a few hundred years before christopher columbus arrived in 1494 and they grew their own food corn and cassava sweet potatoes guavas pineapples were indigenous to jamaica too so when christopher columbus arrived the story goes that the tainos presented him with pineapples and that's how they became a symbol of hospitality. Pineapple is a very important part of our our beginnings. It's actually on our coat of
0: arms. In the 16th century, the Spanish arrived with citrus and livestock and a population of Spanish Jews who brought escovich, a vinegary fish dish that remains a Jamaican classic 500 years later. In the 17th century, the British
2: arrived and threw the Spaniards out. The Spaniards left and went to Cuba. And when they were leaving, they freed all all their livestock and they freed their slaves. These freed slaves took off and went into the mountains of Jamaica and they were called the Maroons. They were from West Africa and they refused to be recaptured by the British who wanted to re-enslave them and add them to the numbers of slaves that they had. The British used slaves to work their sugar plantations.
0: So these escaped enslaved West Africans, the Maroons, were hiding from the British. And during this time, out of survival, invented
2: Jamaica's most famous dish, jerk. They would hunt the wild pigs. They needed a cooking method that they could use the food while they were on the run, and that they wouldn't have all these fires that the British could see smoke going up into the sky. So they developed a cooking method called jerking, which required putting the pimento wood, pimento is what you call allspice, they'd line a a fire pit with stones and pimento wood, and they'd wrap the pig in all these spices and and some leaves called pepper elder, and it would be highly spiced, and they'd bury it in there, and have the wood, the coals from the wood cook it for several hours. Then they could break it up and carry it with them in these little pouches. But we didn't know anything about this wonderful jerk food until after emancipation. So we went through quite a long period of time with the British and all their, their sugar plantations. And of course they developed rum and sugar that was being sent back. It made a fortune for people in Britain.
0: In 1687, a British botanist named Sir Hans Sloan made a major culinary contribution while living in Jamaica. He collected all kinds
2: of plant clippings and he, he discovered that cocoa was indigenous to Jamaica and he didn't like the way they made chocolate here. The cacao, it was just bitter, a bitter drink. And he added milk to it. And that's how we got the creation of milk chocolate. And he patented it and, and Cadbury's took it and ran with it. And the rest is history. So we also had the genesis of chocolate, milk chocolate here in Jamaica.
0: Virginia said the British didn't like the climate in Jamaica. It was too hot for them. So they sent over poor Irish, Welsh and Cornish people to oversee the work happening on the plantations. But they
2: brought all their food. They brought their Cornish pasties, which is a turnover, essentially. But then the Jamaicans turned it into a meat patty. And it's highly spiced. But almost every Jamaican school child eats that at least once a week for lunch. I mean, well, not even just school children, but I mean, anybody. We, we love having a patty for lunch. And so it's, it's, it's a big part of our diet. That's definitely one of the most popular foods. This makes
0: so much sense. If you've ever seen a Jamaican patty, it is suddenly so obvious that it is the Jamaican version of a Cornish pasty. Another thing the British enjoyed in Jamaica?
2: Avocado toast. Lady Nugent was the wife of the governor of Jamaica in 1801 to 1805, I believe. And she wrote a journal, which is absolutely fascinating, logging the sort of food that was served. Avocado is one of the things that they used to call midshipman's butter because they spread it on bread. Now, you know, that's very popular nowadays, but they've been doing this for a long time.
0: So maybe Jamaica Uh, was the original avocado toast. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Okay, so we have the Spanish, the British, Irish, and Cornish influences. And then the French fled to Jamaica after the Haitian Revolution. And
2: they actually started the Jamaican coffee industry, which um, grew to be one of the biggest in the world at the time. Because we have the elevation for coffee to be grown here, we have some of the world's best coffee, the Blue Mountain coffee.
0: In the 19th century after emancipation, the British brought in Hakka Chinese laborers to replace the recently freed slaves.
2: And they brought to us, of course, every Jamaican and most people around the world now use soy sauce in all their cooking. So that was one of the big gifts that they brought. They opened many, many Chinese restaurants around Jamaica. So Jamaicans are quite familiar with it. It's a treat. It's sort of a Sunday Sunday lunch treat. If you're going out for lunch or something, you would go to a Chinese restaurant.
0: Do yeah. Jamaicans use the soy sauce as an ingredient in the food that they cook or when making Chinese food at home or no, is it no. incorporated in?
2: No, okay. it's used sort of to make gravies for anything. It, you'll find it even combined with jerk things. One of the things, I mean, a Chinese person will tell you that, that the Jamaicans change the Chinese flavor. We have what we call Jamaican Chinese food because every restaurant you go to now, they will serve you the soy sauce with... The scotch bonnet pepper cut up and put in the sauce that you can then pour liberally all over your Chinese food to heat it up. That's our own way of doing things. And they they created quite a few dishes here I'm sure you wouldn't find back in China. If you think
0: that that is the end of foreign influence on Jamaican cuisine, you are wrong. After the Chinese came the Indians.
2: They brought with them their special gifts, curry. I mean, Jamaicans eat curry all the time now, every week. We have our own West Indian curry. They brought the callaloo, which is our greens, and they brought ganja, which of course is an important plant to us. And yeah, um, I did not
0: know that
2: marijuana <laughs> was from India. Yes, yeah. that's yes, that's as far as I know.
0: So those are the main influences on Jamaican cuisine. And the food that Jamaica is probably most well-known for is jerk. Virginia says for the dish to be truly Jamaican, it must be cooked very slowly over pimento wood. Pimento is the Jamaican word for allspice. It doesn't necessarily
2: have to be cooked in an underground pit. It has to marinate overnight, at least for many hours, before you start cooking and you cook it slowly. There's no such thing as fast food jerk even though I've been known to cook it on TV in eight minutes. That's not real. That's not. That's not real. The meat should be heavily spiced and flavored with... Hot peppers, a scallion is the basis, thyme, pimento, which as I said is allspice, all some garlic, black peppers, salt, certainly, probably some nutmeg and, you know, everybody does a slight variation on, on their jerk seasoning. One of the traditional Jamaican foods Joshua wants for
0: his last meal is, he calls them rice and beans, but you call them rice and peas. What is that dish? How do you make it? You know, what's the origin of that dish? Where did that come from with everybody who descended to
2: Jamaica? Who brought it? I definitely would say that that would have been developed in an African kitchen, you know, with the coconut milk is the base of it. And the confusion over beans and peas, I've never heard a Jamaican call it rice and beans and basically, you will soak your beans, peas, whatever, cook them down in coconut milk. When the peas are a bit tender, then you add your rice to it and your seasoning. scallion and thyme, salt, and probably a little dash of allspice or whatever. And on the very top of this, when you're about to close the lid to let it steam, you'll put a scotch bonnet pepper because that will just infuse, all this flavor will go into the rice dish without adding any heat to it. So you take that out before you fluff up your rice when it's cold. So that is a special dish.
0: A very fun fact about Virginia is that she was a friend of Bob Marley.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, that was exciting. We didn't even have a clue when we met Bob you know, where that was going to go because he wasn't that famous when I met him. I was still in high school at 18 and stuff. So I I met him briefly. I, I made tea for him. <laughs> and, and then I, I worked for Island Records briefly, and he bought the house where I was working. My girlfriend was living in it. She's Cindy Breakspear, who became Miss World. And she met Bob and they had Damien Marley, who is quite famous, as you know. Yeah. So I was part of the family and friends, you know, and I worked on his newsletter for him. So I, I went with them on tour. Bob Marley was Rastafarian.
0: And Rastafarians stick to a very specific, natural, healthy diet.
2: There was always a cook. Someone who could prepare Bob's Meals, they would go on tour with the group. They call it idle food, and they say it must be vital. And that means it should contain nothing dead, nothing preserved. They don't eat anything out of cans. And it really is the freshest food you can find in Jamaica is really very healthy. And they don't put any salt in it or add any, no added sugars or salt supposed to go into it because they believe that nature has balanced the flavors out nicely. So if you want to spice your food, or you can just add things like pepper, or ginger, or scallions, and so on, and you create a dish. A lot of times it takes a while to cook these idle dishes, because they're starting from scratch. You would have to have a a fresh coconut, no tin coconut milk for your hair. You have to take the coconut meat out of the coconut and grate it, add water, squeeze it out a few times. And that's how you would make your rice and peas.
0: Rastafarians don't believe in letting their food come into contact with metals of any kind. So no canned foods, but also no metal cookware, no knives and no silverware.
2: Often served on wooden plates, wooden spoons or so on, clay pots. They use very natural things for serving. You might even get it served on a banana leaf, which is beautiful, you know. Things like yams and certainly carrots and callaloo and all the greens and things, very healthy. It's absolutely wonderful food. It takes some getting used to, not having salt in your food, but they, they make it so delicious that after a while, I mean, you absolutely just love it.
0: And they don't and, eat meat.
2: No meat, absolutely not. Lots of juices and um, also tonics made from herbs, roots, ganja tea. Of course, the Rastafarians would make very wonderful, freshly made um, beet and carrot juices and things like that, where you can feel absolutely refreshed and happy to have had something that I good love for you.
0: Beet yeah. carrot juice, so good. Yeah to Joshua. He says for as much as he loves food, he doesn't cook that much.
1: It's not something that came naturally. I didn't watch. I didn't pay attention. I was just always like, come on, mom. Is it ready? (laughs) She would always make this joke that like for as much as you eat, Josh, like when you grow up, you better like have a great job. You better make a lot of money so that you can sustain this habit. And I, I bring that up a lot with Catherine, my wife, because thankfully I've done all right. It means a lot to me that I can kind of eat whatever i want that's like my thing i don't spend money on much but i like to go out to a restaurant and i like to just enjoy myself but it's just one of those things that means a lot to me
0: and that was joshua henry's last meal it was so fun chatting with you you have such good energy you were like my coffee this morning so thank you (laughs)
1: thank you um i really appreciate talking to you rachel i love i love this show
0: Joshua's new album, Grow, is out September 10th. Make sure and pick that up. And...
1: This fall, I'll be in a movie called Tick, Tick, Boom. Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, starring Andrew Garfield, Vanessa Hutchins. That's going to be really, really great.
0: Thanks to Virginia Burke. If you're interested in Caribbean cooking, she is your gal. Her cookbooks are Eat Caribbean and Walkerswood Caribbean
2: Kitchen. I enjoyed it a lot. Take care, Rachel. We say walk good walk good walk good oh walk good is that how you say goodbye that's how you say goodbye walk good it's just a it's, it's a greeting to say goodbye this
0: episode was produced by laura scott and me theme music by prom queen make sure you're following along on instagram hello rachel bell that's b-e-l-l-e and if you like the episode which i'm assuming you might because you made it all the way to the end uh please give us a five-star rating on apple podcasts write out a review if you have a minute i know all of us podcasters say this but it actually does make a difference the more reviews the more stars clicked the more we rise to the top of this crazy algorithm i'm rachel bell and this is your last meal